Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just relax, and anything else that's going on, let it just fall by the wayside, and... Let your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and even your body just relax and fall back into the arms of your spirit. One of the things where we learn about the very nature of our spirit is that we don't understand it, and yet we think we do. We think we do because we're using our soul to think. You're using your mind, your will, and your emotions to draw conclusions about things that you don't have all the information for. Your soul is in limbo. It's, it's being pulled back and forth. It's your, your spirit is drawing your soul to return to the created relationship that it finds its perfect rest. And yet your soul is exerting the very characteristics that God put in your soul, the the need for control, for protection, for avoiding rejection, for protecting wounds. The problem is is that the very actions that our soul wants to take to protect us are preventing our soul from being reunited with our spirit. And and when our soul is reunited with our spirit, that's when true healing happens, true freedom, true understanding and wisdom. All our needs are fulfilled as our soul and again, and our body follows along. I'm still working out how that those that connection is between our our physical body and our soul. But for right now, we we do understand that there's that our soul is separate from our spirit. But it was created. Your soul and spirit. God intends for your soul to be restored to your spirit. Your spirit is your home for your soul. He restores our mind. He restores our will. He restores our emotions. Back to their place in spirit, in your spirit. Now, again, your spirit is in God's spirit, so it's all one. It's all one. 
And I just really want to encourage you because we, in the Western civilization, in Western religion, religious circles of Christianity, we've gotten this idea that basically to just put things off or do it out of our own strength. If you're dealing with a wound, if you're struggling in an area of your life with We've talked before about how there's the three main areas of our lives, the financial, the health, and relationships. And if you've got an area, one of those, that keeps on popping up, odds are you're avoiding God about maybe even something else, but he's going to use those to get your attention. So you have to turn and face him. And what our soul will often do is try everything. Try everything before relying on God, relying on your spirit. Now, God understands that. He does not hold that against us. Because this is the very nature, the very ability in your soul that God created. Now, there's some some value, some specialness about our soul's desire for control and protection. That's very important to God because those are the main characteristics of our soul. And he created your soul and he gifted your soul to you. So that's very important to him. Your, your soul has other qualities and other characteristics, but nothing more significant or overwhelming or defining of your soul than its need for control and protection. And they go hand in hand. They control God. They control, your soul controls God, controls, you know, by controlling your beliefs controlling how close you let God get to you, controlling others, controlling yourself. And the whole idea is the why is for protection. So the what is control, but the why is protection. Because we don't want to be hurt again. And we don't, for the most part, we don't want to hurt others. So we have motivations as to why we want to control. As our soul, as your soul is reconnected with your spirit, and your soul experiences eternal life, it starts to let go of both the how and the why. It starts to let go of the need for control because it's no longer afraid of being rejected and hurt. So there's two basic things going on at this point. And if we only focus on one, we're going to extend the amount of time. Now, A reminder here, you cannot fix your soul. You cannot convince your soul of truth. 
but rest assured that your soul is in enough proximity of your spirit. It's sort of like gravity. Your spirit is always drawing your soul closer and closer without you even noticing. But this is why you'll have conflict inside and out. Anxiety, fear, anger, the worst things for your life and sometimes the best things of your life are going to be experienced simply because your soul is coming closer and closer into proximity with your spirit. So your spirit is revealing the strengths and weaknesses of your soul. Now God values your soul. He loves your soul. He gifted you your soul, but it has strengths and weaknesses. Now, when you and I think about, you know, when I say that, when I say strengths, when I say strengths of your soul, when I say weaknesses of your soul, you're probably thinking of things that you consider to be strengths, that you consider are positives about you yourself and how you cope with reality. Maybe you're smart. Maybe you're good with people. Maybe you're... uh, you know, innovative and creative. You might consider those as strengths, you know, and your weaknesses. You're short-tempered. You're impatient. You may think of yourself as stubborn and lazy or not interested in developing, putting the work into developing friendships. Any of those, any of those characteristics that you have for yourself we have a tendency to put those into characteristics of either strengths or weaknesses. God doesn't do that. God doesn't say, these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses. We do that. Again, it's your soul trying to maintain control in order to protect yourself. One of the problems our soul has is it's easily overwhelmed it's like think of uh you know we could think of our soul as a parent or a a teacher in a daycare that has 50 kids 50 toddlers or you know kids that are just all different ages that are running around and you're and all your assistants called in sick and everybody is all the little kids are just running around doing whatever they want, and they're running into each other, and so there's crying, and maybe you lose a couple kids, you know who. There's just chaos, and so your soul will try its best to to govern that chaos. Now those elements of your chaos, chaos, those little children are aspects of your soul, your thoughts, your mind, mind, and your emotions. And trying to use your own strength on your own to try to get all those little kids to behave or to even just survive is a full-time job and then some. So to try to go beyond that 
and to be available to God, again, you're basically in survival mode. If I can just get through keeping all these little kids corralled and safe until their parents come to pick them up, that will be a successful day. The problem for you and me is that there are no parents coming to pick up the chaos that is in our soul. So a lot of ways, all the only option left to your soul is to just lock all the kids in closets, stuff them in drawers, lock them, uh, you know, throw them outside the window and shut the window just to get them out of the way to bring it down to a manageable size, like maybe five. Five kids, whatever your soul decides is enough for it to handle, and the rest are just stuffed away. But they're still crying. They're still needing attention. They're still causing chaos. It's just out of sight, out of mind. God says, no, we're going to restore your soul to its relationship, to its access. So that teacher has access, that daycare owner or you know, person has full access to all the resources it needs in order to take care of all those kids. All the resources are, are there, but we don't know how to access it. That's what this drawing of your spirit does, is it draws your soul back into access, being able to access eternal life. And through that process, God starts opening a closet here, a drawer here, letting the kid back in through the window. So your soul is overwhelmed again and then again, and then again, because it's part of the process. We have this tendency to think that being out of control can only be negative, can only be a weakness. Again, we categorize our experiences. It's either positive or negative. We're either winning or we're failing. We're right on track or we've missed him completely. But God is in control. God himself, through your spirit, knows exactly who's in what closet. And part of our challenge is we have closets we don't even know about. And there are wounds and beliefs that we have never even encountered, but we have inherited through our parents, through our lineage, or even through our culture, through the community we live in, even things that we have created to protect ourselves, imaginations, uh, our own belief system about this is what it looks like. You know, and even your own temperament. Think about your strengths and weaknesses of your temperament. This is part of your soul. You will choose a group to hang out with as far as whether it's a church group or or belief group or even listening to this 
podcasts and, and learning what we're learning here. There's something in your soul that this, it makes it your soul feel comfortable and in control. And that's fine. But when we, the problem is, is very often God will let that fail. We will continue a bad habit as long as it works. And so if we only hang out with people that make us feel comfortable, and then God comes along, we don't even have to do it. God will come along and open up another closet. And there's more chaos that enters into our responsibility or into a situation where we have to react to it. You know, we think we have, we finally got everything under control. Oh, then a pandemic springs up. Everybody loses their job. You know, we've, oh, we finally saved enough money to buy a house. Ah, prices triple. You know, we finally got the kids in a great school. Oh, they all get sick. All different kinds of things where we think we have things all under control. And God says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Not to trick us or punish us. It's really not about us at all. It's his plan. And what is the end result of his plan? That every wound that you have would be healed. That every area of darkness and death, there would be light and life. That you would be experiencing his eternal life in every aspect of your soul and body. That's his end goal for you. Now, you know, as far as I know, there's only been, you know, we have Adam and Eve. We've talked a lot about that. Think about Jesus. Other than that, I don't know. And then maybe sometime we'll talk about Elijah. But other than those examples, I don't know of anyone. There might be others, but I don't know of anyone who has made it through this life with all their wounds healed, belief systems lining up with the truth, the way, the truth, and the life of God himself. Knowing him perfectly and being known of him and being one, spirit, soul, and body, I don't know of anybody. And what effect would that have on the body? I sometimes wonder if, you know, we know if Adam and Eve you know, they were just going to live forever in the garden. God had to intervene because, you know, who knows how long that's been going on. That could have been going on millions of years where Adam and Eve were hanging out with God in the garden. Likewise with Christ, with Jesus walking around. He had full access. He was one, spirit, soul, and body, in his Father. So he he had and was in eternal life already. So death had no hold on him. His body, even though it was growing, I mean, he didn't stay a little baby, he grew, but there was no reason for his body to ever die. 
So he could still be, could have still been around walking around. He had to choose, and his father had to intervene for him to be crucified. He could have come down off that cross just giving the second thought. He could have destroyed the earth with a, with a thought. He created it with a thought. So for you and I, are, there are things that, you know, we are going to see changes in us, in our life here on this earth, but a lot of things we aren't. And so this just gets me more and more, convinces me more and more that there's something next. And I don't mean like heaven. I don't mean where we go and to someplace and have a static existence. We don't have a static existence here. We are in a constant change mode. And I think that's going to continue. It may change the emphasis. We, you know, we, well, let me speak for myself. I have a very limited idea of how the soul works. Very limited idea of the connection between body and soul and spirit. But I have some idea. And so I'm testing it. I'm going, okay, how does this work? If you unplug this and plug this in over here, it's like Christmas lights. You have to untangle it, and then you try to find out which ones are real. And in the process, what what might have been working, you know, 10 minutes ago no longer works. And you plug it in again, it's it's blown a fuse. You just have to keep on trying gently. I mean, it's not because – and it's gentle – and calm and enjoyable because there's nothing riding on it. They're Christmas lights. If you need to go out and buy more, you go out and buy more. There, are, There's not up any penalty for you to try, to, to make mistakes. I think that's probably one of the biggest things Christians have, the, have such a hard time with is guilt and feeling manipulated and enjoying it and using that as a, as a way of protection. If I try something and I'm wrong, I'll be penalized. And that's not from God. There are always going to be consequences, but they're not spiritual consequences. If you put your hand on a hot stove, you're going to get burned. We learned that. Hopefully you learned that because you had good parents who taught you, don't put your hand on a hot stove. And then as you grew, you you were taught other things. Not everybody had good parents. A lot of people don't. And a lot of us aren't well prepared going into adulthood. And we can... Transfer that to a lot of us aren't well prepared for knowing God. Because we bring in uh, such a disparity of what we believe to the reality of who he is. And so when he starts to reveal something about himself or even something about us, we put it into one of those two categories, positive or negative, or it's a strength or a weakness of ours. When really he, he, you know, 
Who is God? <clears throat> How does he answer that question? I am. I am that I am. He is what he is and who he is and how he is. He exists. That's that's it. He is. And and the same with you and I. In your spirit, you are. You exist as a spirit being. There's no shadow of turning. There's you are filled with life and light and understanding and wisdom and power and authority, and yet that's so different from our day-to-day experience. But that's all right. We've talked before about the things, the habits that we can do, the only things that we can do to, to participate in what God is already doing. He's, you know, part, you know, keep on jumping around to so many things about the soul because we are, I hate to say it like this, but we're behind in our understanding. And generation upon generation, we aren't gaining the understanding that we could be, not should be, but could be. And I want to take every opportunity to learn what today has to learn, uh, teach us. Because that's God setting up today for you. So we've talked before about, you know, things like how much time do you spend with him? So he can reveal himself. So he can teach you what you need to know. So he can quicken the abilities that are within you so you can free your soul as he heals your soul. So you can learn how it works. And part of that challenge is, let's say there's an area of your life, let's say it's just about finances, and you have a fear of success. You you live in a situation, you're existing in a situation where to be wealthy and successful is a bad thing. And people around you who are who work hard and are successful or are creative and are doing well and financially successful, are looked down upon or criticized. Not invited to to dinner. Not no longer uh, losing friends over that. And so we push back on that, and we say we make a choice. I'm going to not do that because of the consequences. I'm not going to use these gifts that God has given me, these creative gifts, these persistence gifts, these having special insight, having a good, a sound mind. I'm not going to do these because of the consequences. And God comes along and heals all that. So you're no longer afraid of the consequences. Not that the consequences aren't going to be there, but you're not going to care about being rejected by people you care about. Sure, it's going to hurt. But what happens is God heals that wound, that fear of man, that fear of rejection, and he restores your, your desire for creativity, to, your desire to build. Because remember, God is always creative. That's one of his big characteristics is always more. He's always creating. There's always more. And we, you and I are, have that same but if we believe 
that there are negative consequences, your soul is going to protect you from your own creativity. God will come along and restore that part of your soul to its connection to your spirit. You will, again, want to be creative. You'll recognize that drive, but but your soul will argue with that freedom. And all the bad habits that your soul has created to protect you are still there. And so it's only through the circumstances. Now, there's going to be times when God just, you know, flicks his hand, gives you a thought, and when he heals the wound, he also heals the bad habits. He removes the bad habits, but a lot of times he doesn't because we he he wants us to learn what we are to value is the process of overcoming those bad habits. And how you do that is knowing him. Everything that's restricting you and keeping you from resting in him is a part of the process that he values. And it will be dealt with in a unique and different way. But we all gain that access the same way, is we spend time with him. You know, there's different abilities like speaking in tongues and um, fasting. There are things that, uh, you know, we can literally do. But it's always coming back to dependence and relying on him to make the changes. And a lot of times he will draw us in one area while he's making changes in the other. So this week coming up, just spend some time and think about, even if you want to take you know, a pad of paper, write down your strengths and weaknesses. Write down areas where you feel that you've never been able to overcome or that you find, yeah, I can make changes in this area real easy. Then look back over your, your life, your family, your, you know, your heritage, the community you're in. Just see if you can see any connections as to why maybe you struggle in some areas. And do all this as you increase the amount of time you're spending with God, doing that restful thing, just be making yourself available. This is not trying to hear from him. Just be available. Just be with him. So feel free to drop me a line. Hopefully we've made some progress, progress in this because we want this to be practical. God is practical. There are, there are things that he wants us to be learning how to do, and we want to be focusing on that and not beliefs, not doctrines, not things that we don't have all the information about, but there are things that he has given us to do. He's given us into our hands to do. Let's do those. So drop me a line if you feel like it at diane at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.